Derek. Try. It's episode 26. We've made it through the alphabet. I cannot believe 26 straight weeks you and I have sat at this table or somewhere near here. Somewhere. And done the Beyond the Curve, the MX podcast. And tonight, tonight, we're finishing off the letter Z, episode 26, with a very special guest. So, Derek, introduce us. We've been working on this a long time. Um, everybody, this is Matt Bell, Harding & Bell International, owner of HBI Racing. Um, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Well, it's good to be here, man. I'm sorry it's taken so no, long. No, it's fine. Been, it's oh fine. Gosh, it's, it's this this guy is probably the busiest guy on the planet right now. Yeah, we're gonna and dive I, into that. I don't think that there is anybody that can deny that. So, um, we're gonna step aside from what everybody else wants to talk to you about, and we want to hear about Matt Bell. Okay. All right. Well, I can I can answer the questions. <laughs> My wife would agree with you. I'm pretty busy. So. No, I know. We're, we're trying to back that down a notch or two. Yeah. Let's let's start out. We know. You you have this pro team and you're in the playoffs. Like, welcome to motocross and supercross. You're in the yep. playoffs. So, what's that look like this week? Yeah. So here I'm going to hold this. So I yeah, can there you go. Easy for me to do, so I can actually look at you. Yeah, that's cool. I'll someone side eye when I'm looking. <laughs> at this. Um, yeah. So today, like this week, is going to be our first SMX race at Charlotte, which is um, we don't. We kind of know what to expect, but not 100%. So it, it's new for everybody, uh, for the Feld guys, for the Pro Motocross guys. Um, so we, we had our team manager meeting today at 2. And, you know, just they're trying to work out all the logistics so everybody's set up and ready to go. Um, I have confirmed that somehow I signed both of our riders up correctly. So they are <laughs> on the roster to ride this weekend. So, yeah, we're ready to do it. And um, I'm excited for the track. Um, Oh, it looks awesome. Yeah. Like, we're racing this week. In other words, we would be there yeah. without a doubt. The start is uh, really interesting. So I was asking one of our guys what he thought about the start, and he's like, yeah, it's that's going to be interesting because <laughs> you're kind of coming from both angles. I yeah. don't know if you've yeah. seen the track map. Yep. And then and then connecting in the middle and coming down the straight. So, yeah, it'll be a different uh, scenario for some of those guys for sure. And it's a wicked long track too. Like. Yeah. I, I was watching the, the track map this week, and I'm like, these guys are going to be beat. Oh, yeah. Because it is gnarly, and that that sand section is just out of this world. Yeah, no doubt. And I, th I think what is going to trip a lot of people up, the main part of the track is the long rhythm section. Yeah. I mean, they have a quarter-mile long rhythm mm -hmm. section, which, you know, if you're, if you're a Supercross guy, that's not huge. But there are guys who, like, qualified for the smx rounds that did not race supercross yeah, yeah. so those guys are going to have a challenge i mean i could probably kind of hit most of the stuff on that track but that rhythm lane like the first three seconds i'd be yeah. i'd be dead so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how some of the those guys handle it i know there was a couple guys um that were racing outdoor motocross that were in like not like directly qualified in but were in the lcq rounds and I know one or two of them were like, I'm, "We're not racing this because we don't race Supercross, and yeah. we don't we don't think we're yeah. gonna be able to hack it." It's a good way to get hurt. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you could you could hit the first three sections or whatever, and then but that's that's all that matters because after that, it's all it's all momentum at that point. Oh, yeah. But when you lose that momentum right off the bat, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, I mean, I could single everything all the way through <laughs> or roll it, I and mean, it's two twenty minute motos. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's basically two Supercrosses with a three quarters of a motocross mixed in i mean yeah. kind of, is kind of what it looks like so yeah. that's the end you've made it congratulations you get to travel three more weeks hey there you go i know yeah. we're excited but you get to go to the coliseum 
that's yeah. kind of cool. That is I mean, going to be cool. That is really, really cool. So you have Ty and Caden going, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, so Ty Masterpool, uh, HBI rider, and Caden Braslow. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see them ride. I think Ty's going to have a good time. Caden's yeah. a really good rider, too. I mean, they're, yeah. they're both phenomenal riders. Yeah, they've both been um, putting in the work. I know Ty's I, – I, he's in Texas, so they have their own training yeah. compound. I haven't really got a chance to see him ride, but I know his dad, Jerry, um, will put together – an smx or has put together an smx style track for him to train on and then caden has been out at sandbox uh, up in claremont Mm -hmm. so they've got kind of an smx track set up out there for the guys um i know roxon's been out there and chase sexton and a few other guys so they're they're getting geared up that's good it looks very red is that going to be tacky or is that going to be deep I, i can't really tell um so i was talking with uh Colin Park today actually he called me not not about that but about tax stuff and um, <laughs> I said what do you think about the track and he was like yeah he's like I think the dirt's going to be kind of like Atlanta um, and I was like well what, what was that like and he was like it was it depends on how much they water it so mm. if they water the piss out of it it's going to be probably really tacky yeah turns into a tacky clay at that yeah, point yeah if they don't water it it's going to be like baseball clay hard yeah. okay. so it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with that i know it's been pretty dry up there i think um so yeah they're gonna have to throw some water on there to i'm wondering if they don't split it up like totally water one side and you know keep one side just to make it that much more brutal because it's already going to be brutal and they're they're bragging about how how gnarly these races are going to be so yeah I'm, I'm anxious to see i mean it's all new to all of us so i'm anxious to see what's going to happen yeah i would think maybe like the rhythm lane sections they would keep that a little drier yeah. just so it doesn't get super ruttered up i know like if you guys have ever done track walk at some of the supercross mm-hmm. races for me not being anywhere near a pro rider i think the scariest thing for me was like when i looked at the rhythm sections i'm like probably if i had enough practice i could kind of go through here but when you look at the ruts in between the transitions that's scary like when you've got foot deep ruts right down in the middle of it so i'm i'm kind of thinking they may leave that harder just so it holds up and then the rest of the track have a little more tacky and low yeah it's it'll it'll be it'll be interesting i i raced steel city mx one year i don't know if you remember steel city up in pa so i raced that that track one year and the ruts there got so gnarly at that race. I mean, we're talking, they would swallow your foot pegs if you didn't hit them perfectly straight. Yeah. It was, and it's, it's every Supercross race is like that. So just to put it into perspective, we're talking the foot pegs of a bike that are a foot and a half up, just absolutely swallowing them. Yeah, it's it's scary. The worst ruts I've ridden probably were at Gatorback. Um, I think the last race I raced there. And I remember going through a couple corners on the inside, and I was dragging foot pegs through yep. the corners. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't like this. <laughs> not, at, not at 48 years old, I don't like this at all. That's ironic that you say Gatorback, because when I was a kid, and we used to go watch Gatorback, it was Blue Groove. Really? Oh, yeah. No, I went to, I think it was the last year they had an outdoor there. Deegan was Deegan, the dad, yeah. was racing. And I remember going to the Moto Triple X box van and like <laughs> watching him take his shirt off and being amazed. Why does someone have a tattoo with their name on their back? And he had Deegan across his back. And that was the thing. Then. That was the thing. And yeah. And that track was blue groove. It was not the tilled loam that it is now. Yeah. So they've done an amazing job. But we got the end. We're going to talk about the future. Take it. You talked a little bit about how you got into riding. Yep. Did you ever think 
I'm Matt Bell. I'm going to own a pro team because you do some other stuff with amateurs. Did right. you ever think, hey, this is where, sure, let's start a pro team? No. Um, actually, when we started the amateur team, I, I'm pretty sure I said in my mind, I'm never going to own a pro team because, you know, I knew how expensive it was. Mm -hmm. I, well, I didn't know. I kind of had an idea, but it just wasn't something that I guess I was really interested in doing until I started meeting some of the pro riders, like the first one we had, Cole Bradford. Mm -hmm. um, he was like the first one. Yeah, so, we'll talk about him here in a minute. Yeah, so, I got some good stuff to say. Uh, yeah, I won't get too deep into that, but I, I never really thought about it. Um, you know, when I was younger, of course, I always wanted to be a pro rider, and I didn't. I wasn't good enough, like anywhere near that. Okay. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the cool thing about owning a pro team, I guess, is that I get to experience everything except for being on the bike and riding around the track and i get to kind of live vicariously through those guys so yeah, yeah it's awesome. awesome so what's it what's it like what's the amateur team like because you know we we like to cover the amateurs down here in florida a lot um what's it like running the amateur team yeah so it's it's a lot of fun um you know we've got kind of a really varied group of amateur riders mm -hmm. um just this last weekend so caitlin lane who's one of the women well she raced girls and women's class at loretta's um, awesome young lady. She's and probably the toughest member of our team, <laughs> to be honest with you. She she is has had some gnarly injuries and it's just tough. She gets right back on the bike, but um, she just got done racing at the Baja Brawl um, mm -hmm. up there this weekend and came in third. Uh, got a podium, which was really great. She had some she had some trouble at Loretta's. I mean, she didn't do she didn't do bad. I mean, she was she was up there, but. The track, you know, you guys saw how bad it the was, track was. It, it was gnarly. It was um, intense. And, you know, that mud is the great equalizer. So mm -hmm. I think she probably wasn't real prepared for that, which most people weren't. Um, but great rider, Ben Riddle, who is our original amateur guy, uh, you know, former pro, five-time Loretta's champion. Um, he was the AMA Horizon Award winner, winner coming out of Loretta's, Suzuki factory rider. And I never... I never watched Ben ride because I was out of motocross for like 25 yeah. years. I, I didn't know who the guy was until I met him and, you know, we started talking. But uh, just an incredible guy and so thankful we get to be part of that. And then, then we've got some younger guys. So, like, again, uh, Ronnie Dale Roska, he was on 65s. Uh, he He's actually a beginner rider, won the beginner class in 65s at the I4MX series. And now he's moving up to 85s and kind of kind of continue to move forward in that. And then... A mix of other guys um, kind of along the way so Jameer Scott um, Adam Asia we have um, a couple new riders Talon Stanley who mm -hmm. is out at Moto Sandbox right now putting in a lot of work um, so yeah I mean just thankful to have those guys Steven Tazo uh, he's working on actually getting a pro license going to be racing a class this year uh, super fast C rider and decided to make the jump straight to a Wow. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, he's he's good. He he did really really good in C class at at Daytona this past year. So I think he'll he'll be good, um, you know, heading that way. But just an interesting mix, you know. It's different than like the start or the Yamaha team, you know, where you've got you're, they're pretty much all right B or yeah. going into pro. We try to help riders at all different levels. That's what that's what I love about you guys because it's it's not just the focus on the pros. Um, I know. A lot of people don't understand. You know, they hear HBI. They now hear they they think Ty Masterpool right off yeah. the bat. Um, but you guys do have a very big amateur team, and they're everywhere. Um, yeah. We we ride with we don't ride with them, but we're with 
a lot of the amateurs every weekend. You know, we're at Dade City all the time. Uh, we got Gold Cup coming up. I'm sure they're going to be at pretty much all of them races. So you guys are everywhere. Yeah, I miss Kez, Kez Maynard is another one. Mm-hmm. He, he kind of took a little bit of break for a month and was trying to get – he got a job. And he's he is a sea, sea rider, races some local sea stuff, raced minios last year, but just a great kid. So, you know, it's not always about, like, where they're at as far as skill. It, it, it's a lot about, yeah. you know, their willingness to be the kind of riders we want on the team, and that, that's Correct. super important to us. Well, I have two questions on the amateur side then. Is it going to continue – with the, the growth of the pro side yep okay second what are the expectations like when you're working with the pro guys you kind of have that expectation of this is where we think you should be on the amateur side what are you looking for from them yeah so yes it is going to continue um last year it's going to it's going to look a little different so last year before we had the pro side we had a group of riders and it was almost like unlimited support if you want to call it that so like we paid for all the parts bikes pretty much whatever training they wanted to all the entry fees and now that we've gotten into the pro side we've got we've had to scale that back a little bit um just because of budget Mm -hmm. because i like i like living in a house and not a cardboard Mm -hmm. box so it's good to you know try to (laughs) conserve your money but we're going to continue it um but we've going into this year we're going to have um like a set amount that we're going to supply to each of the riders we're still helping with bikes and entry fees but they're going to have to contribute probably a little more going into next year so um, pretty much all the same riders that we started out with and a couple new ones are going to continue on like we haven't removed people from the team Um, but yeah we're, we're excited to have that continue and the riders that are putting in the work it doesn't necessarily mean like they have to turn pro we always tell our riders like I asked the question what what is your goal and if your goal is well I want to be a pro rider then I'll be like okay well here's what you need to do to be a pro mm-hmm. rider like you have to work your butt off and this is the only thing you do yeah. do you want to do that and if they don't that's that's awesome that's fine because it's a to, to become a pro in in motocross and supercross it is a you're giving up everything else pretty yeah, much yeah. to do that it, it's a little different than i think like some team sports um like when i played soccer i could kind of get away with not training every single day because yeah. you know if you screw up there's 10 other guys to pick you up <laughs> when you're on the motocross track like you're the only one so we have some guys that are i'll tell i've told straight up i, I don't think you're gonna make it as a pro and mm-hmm. that's okay because you can still have fun racing motocross without being a pro. Like, I love getting out there and riding, and yeah. I'm not anywhere near as fast as those guys. Yeah, that's, and it's totally understand. And I think, I think a, uh, your riders should understand, um, you know, with the, little, the budget cuts and all that, because, like, we know where it comes from. I got a five-year-old that wants ask me every week, when can I race Supercross? So, like, I, I know what it's like to try to get him – I mean, at five years old, it's kind of hard. You got to watch what you can do, but you also got a kid that is driving. I mean, that's what he wants. So I know what what it does to a wallet. You know, it's it's unfathomable. And now that you're running a pro team, like those guys, I'm sure, and girls will understand. You know, wholeheartedly. Yeah, and I also tell them that, like, the money that we're investing in the pro side actually although it'll take a couple years, it'll trickle down to them as well. So like the, the sponsorships that we're building through different brands, mm-hmm. through Kawasaki, through FXR, 
we've already built up some help that is helping them down on the amateur side, mm-hmm. but they have to understand that, you know, it's going to take a little it, time yeah. to do that. It all yeah. takes time. Yep. That's, that's the hardest thing with kids right now is they want it right now. And yeah. it's getting that through their head that everything takes time. It takes time to build this empire that oh, yeah. you're creating. Yeah, absolutely. Time and money. Yeah. I Lots guess, of money. I guess my last question on the amateur side, on the team side is how do you find the riders? Um, Honestly, some of them I just knew from racing different local race series. And then uh, a few of them were just people that, you know, I was out at the track, you know, riding myself and watched them ride. Um, Talon Stanley was one that I think I met him at Dade City. Um, He was hanging around, I think, one of our other riders um, that used to be on the team, Chalice Dyers, and um, met him and then just a super nice kid like he mm-hmm. was trying to raise money to be able to get to Minio's last year and what really impressed me about him was like he was he was listing like he had 15 or 20 of those like triangle stands mm-hmm. so he was like selling them on Facebook marketplace to raise money and then he was offering like oil chain services and bike maintenance and just trying to get enough money to get there and he even asked me he's like was there anything you know that I can do for you and I'm like well if you want to come out and like pressure wash the bikes for our guys at a Dade city race, you know, come out and do it and showed up. I mean, worked hard all day long. And that really impressed me that he was willing to do that. And you know, that, that he didn't think too much of himself. And so, you know, as we went down the road, I'm like, man, this is a kid that I'd really like to have on the team. He wants to work hard. And we, and what proved that he's the right kind of rider is like, I was out at sandbox the other day and, one of our mechanics was like, it was like pouring rain. It was muddy out in the track. And they were like, hey, there's some kid riding out in the track. There was like one person. Well, it was him. Like he was out there riding, putting in the work, even in like crappy, muddy conditions. So that's what it takes to, yeah. to get to the next level. And he's he's wanting it. Got to have the ambition. That's how Tiger Woods did it. He used to practice in the rain because sometimes they play. In the yeah, rain. that's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. So not only do you run the pro team, not only do you sponsor the amateur team and help with them, but you also run the trackside church services as well. Yep. So we're diving deep in here to the schedule of Matt Bell. So tell me about that part of it because I think that's the part we all see the HBI stickers, we see people on bikes. Yeah. But there's another component. I've heard of you coming back from some of the pro rounds to be at the church services on Sunday at a local race. Yeah. So explain that to us because I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. So everything like i'll start out with this everything that we do involving motocross is for ministry that's why we're doing it so we started out uh, when i got back into riding rode for about a year and then i really my wife and i both felt like you know the riding part's fun but we're out at this track like two or three times a week we need to be giving back to people while we're there so um, talk with Kenny Yoho of the I4MX series. You know, there's two series in Florida, Florida series, kind of, and the I4MX yep. are both awesome series. Um, Florida series already had like a track pastor out there. So um, I4, the guy, there was a guy that was helping out, um, a guy named Dan, and was doing a good job, but he couldn't make all the races. So um, I talked with him and talked with Kenny and kind of decided that we would be a good fit to take that over. And um, about five years ago, started doing trackside services. Uh, first one was down at 74MX. It's closed now. That yep. I think it may be opening back up. That's, that's the rumor. About that. That's yeah. a great place. I loved it. Yeah, it's a great track. Uh, but 
had five people the first service and then we just getting to know people kind of built that up to where we have 70 or 80 that come down there almost every Sunday and they just want to get some encouragement before they go ride so it's more than just like 15 minutes of like preaching or whatever it's you know we're we're investing in the lives of people through the week Mm -hmm. we'll have people reach out and like need prayer they may have like stuff going on with their spouse they just need to talk so that's what that's what we do my wife and i it's not just me it's her too yeah Um, yeah and i've heard it so we had kyle mcgraw on here Um, yeah so he was he was on here uh with the florida series um and i've heard it out of your mouth too that you can't you got to catch people where they are you know and trey and i have talked about this this week um you have to catch people where they are and at the track people are always having down days and i mean what, what you guys do is phenomenal because it gives it an opportunity to just sit there and listen and not think about motocross i mean it's it's motocross based it's, you know it's faith-based but it gives you 15 20 minutes to just you know let it loose and yeah. and just calm down before you start the day it's phenomenal it's i mean if you guys get the opportunity there's no more i4 this year but um are you doing triple crown um i am not but so we got a guy named alvin moore who okay. he's kind of filled in with me uh, for us um when we're not there so he's going to handle the church services at the triple crown series okay. we may we're going to try to make one or two we're looking at doing a like an hbi um racing day at one of the i4 triple crown oh, yeah. races and so the plan if it works out is to get all of our pro riders to be the mechanics for the day and then me and the and the mechanics are actually the riders. That's awesome. Oh, so, that'd be cool. Yeah, we're we're trying to work something out there. We'll see if we can make it happen. No, you heard it first here. So, <laughs> but yeah, that, that sounds awesome. But if you get the opportunity to go to the Triple Crown races and listen to um, your service and or to Alvin's service, yeah, um, get do it because it it is a phenomenal time and it's it just helps you think before. It's a it's a good start to the day. It truly is. I mean, I took when you guys are at Dade. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. I brought my oldest up, and he actually, I mean, he really enjoyed it. They do go to a Christian private school, but um, he he really loved it. I mean, and afterwards, he, can I have a donut? Of <laughs> yeah. course you can have a donut. I mean. Take them all. Yeah, it was, uh, it's a good time. So I think that covers, unless I'm missing something, and, and if we're missing anything, let us know, because we've got the pro side, the amateur side, and the ministry side, which yep. encompasses, we didn't even touch on the fact that part of you stepping into the pros was also being a part of the paddock not just the team and now you're feeding the paddock yeah yeah so talk about that because i think that's just cool like that's awesome yeah i mean that wasn't the plan going into the pro side so you know like kind of like i said everything that we do we want there to be ministry involved in it as Mm -hmm. like the primary focus so got to fox raceway um bought a bunch of tacos for our guys way too much and just went around the pits and started asking people if they wanted to come eat and the the master pools one of those folks that came over and that in like it clicked i was like yeah this is this is what we're supposed to do this is how we can give back so you know it's it's that piece of it on the ministry side and then like individual conversations with the riders um they'll call me sometimes like even one of the riders called us we were up in north carolina and just wanted to talk about some stuff going on in his life and you know that that's what we want to be there for like these guys you know when you see them out in the track and you're a fan you're like oh they're just a guy under a helmet but these are real people that just happen to Uh, ride dirt bikes really really fast this is exactly we've brought this up on this podcast numerous times we had rylan munson on here and that's that was one of my driving points i'm like i want everybody to realize that you are a human yeah you know 
from a fan standpoint, you know, we we see it differently because we're all in this sport much deeper than than the average fan, and that's all people see is a, a number. You yeah, know, yeah. A, a green bike, a yellow bike, a red bike. That's what they see, and then they see a number on the back. So, but these they are humans. They have feelings. You know, there there's a lot that's going on in the in the minds of these these riders. Yeah, and I think people don't realize, you know, since I've kind of gotten to know some of these guys, like, you know, you know, when you're on social media, you make people make comments on posts, and yep. you think, well, these guys don't care, they don't read that. They read that stuff, yep. yeah. like, and it, it affects them when they're reading yeah. those that things. That one comment's all it takes. Yeah, I mean, they, they look at that stuff, and so I'm, I've been more careful about, like, how critical I've been of people and the way I'm commenting on pro mm -hmm. riders, because, you know, you start to there's a face to just the guy riding around the track in a helmet. Yeah. And I think to add to that, and you have a perspective now on it, um, on all sides, because you have the amateur and the pro. I look at it this way. We see those guys, and they, we watch them ride helmets. We can't see anything of, of them, and they look like warriors. Yeah. And then someone, they take off their helmets, and they're like, he's that that's the guy that was riding that bike? <laughs> like, not, not to be critical, some of them are scrawny, some of them are short, some of them are these link, and you're like, that's the guy that they are these warriors that we see, but they take off the helmet and put on regular clothes and they're just a no normal, normal Matt and I are more built than most of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprising. I mean, now some of them are yeah, yeah big, fit, big guys. But yeah, but yeah it, it's, yeah, they are normal people. I remember seeing Jet and Hunter Lawrence mm -hmm. uh, in the airport and they were like, playing rock, paper, scissors to try, yeah. to, to, try to come up with, I don't know what yeah. they were doing. They were over there just screwing around, but you see that they're, yeah, just like normal people. Yeah. And, and we lose that perspective. I'm a huge racing car racing fan and we've had the opportunity to have lunch with drivers just in the hospitality area. One of them, all they wanted to do, my daughter wanted to talk about his socks and all he wanted to do was talk to her about horse jumping because that's what his sister does. Right. And I'm like, that, that guy's like, my wife and I are over here, eating and my i think at the time 10 11 year old daughter is over shooting the breeze with james hinchcliffe talking about horse jumping and i'm like they're just normal dudes they just yeah. happen to be really good at something yeah so and you get to see that uh, but you also get to see it on the management side of the sport itself we see these people that are famous and you see them they're just normal dudes yeah yeah. What's that intimidation factor like going up into the manager's tower? Yeah, that was – I remember the first time I went up there and <laughs> Roger DeCoster was standing up there and <laughs> Lars from, you know, HRC. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I looked over at Roger DeCoster and I finally got the courage. I gave him the kind of, you know, what's up, dog? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you really like that a whole lot. Uh, probably not. <laughs> I, was, I keep threatening I'm going to fist bump him before the, before the end of the season. I might – who knows, I might do it at the SMX round. We'll see. There you go. You I'll might tell as you well. guys if I do it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those guys are – I mean, they're incredible people. They've been around the sport a long time, and it is intimidating when you're first up there. But, you know, I mean, I just have to remember, like, we're new in this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't have a problem with that. I'll tell everybody, I'm like, hey, you know, we're, we're the ones spending the money, so obviously we're going to make the final decisions, but we're not pride, too proud to take advice. Mm -hmm. And even from, you know, some of the riders and their parents, we want to hear what their opinion is. We may not necessarily agree with it and do it, but we want to take that into consideration because we don't know 
probably 10% of what yeah. this whole thing's about. Like we're just getting into it. So it's, it's a big world on the business side of it. I mean, yeah. it is huge. And you, you know, firsthand that, like we said, that you see it from a fan standpoint, but then there's the other side of it where it is a business. Yeah. Um, and people lose sight of just those little things yeah. so easily. It's either a business or a charity. I think yeah, it's more you're supposed to make money. But <laughs> yeah. Well, someone's making money. Somebody is making someone's money. Someone's making yeah. money. It ain't me. And 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 that's the part too. You you mentioned in one of the uh, recent podcasts. Uh, by the way, for follow up interviews, uh, go to Chris Cooksey Media. He did a great interview with Chris Cooksey, and you were just on Vital MX uh, with that crew. So we're not like breaking a lot of news here. We're kind of diving into some of the stuff that you already yeah. expounded on. And you had mentioned you had a great. I think it's Mike Bianchi. Is that what's? Is that what's the Mike, Mike Bonacci? Mike Bonacci. Bonacci. Yeah, Bonacci. I always get his name. Confused. I think Bonacci is a baseball player, maybe. But Bonacco is that stuff used to spray. <laughs> like but uh, Club MX, and you were talking because uh, one of the guys asked you what your goal is, and I was so excited to hear. There's a five year plan. Yeah. And yeah, that can change, and you could just you could wake up one day and say, Darla, you know, I'd I'd like to go hang out in the in the mountains and be yeah. done and some of the business people i follow they're the same way they're like this is my this is what i love but i might wake up and be done yeah. but five-year plan and you're getting counsel from other teams which you talked about of they don't do that you mentioned you don't want to have a facility but you like that club mx model how do you then grow your model the way you want to yeah so i think the reason why I don't want a facility is because I don't want to run something else mm -hmm. um, like the race team. I enjoy that part of it. The facility side of it is more of like, that's the money making piece. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think if there was ever an opportunity to do something like that, where it would help support the team, then maybe that would be down the road. Um, you know, right now, in fact, we talked, talked with Mike before about, he invited us to come check out club MX and, you know, train up there, mm -hmm. which is, which is awesome. Um, we've decided we've made a commitment to sandbox right now, um, to stay there, you know, for the, for the near future. And they've been really, really good to us. Um, and there's some great, like great people out there. I mean, when you have Ken Roxon, you've got Kyle Chisholm, uh, Chase Sexton, Tom Vial, Levi Kitchen, I mean, all those guys are training out at Sandbox, yeah. and our guys get to be around those guys. So, you know, some some of that's going to rub off mm -hmm. on on, mm -hmm. on our guys. And so we love just not having to deal with any of the running side of it. I don't know how to build a track anyway, but, yeah. um, you know, who knows? Maybe one day down the road, but we're really, really happy with, um, you know, Stacy and Jason Baker, what they're doing, and they're awesome track builders. and. I appreciate their their commitment to us. So is there an avenue since that's not the direction? And, and I think about when I was fortunate to be with Mazda for a while, I got to sit with their marketing department and they approached their marketing about growing Mazda Right. was they solved problems. They had mobile uh, Castro as a sponsor because they solved a problem for Castro. Yeah. IHG hotels became a sponsor because they solved, they solved a turnover problem for them uh, okay. and that's how they so you're from the business world yeah and if the avenue of running a facility isn't how you want to bring in money it doesn't always want to come out of matt bell's pockets no so how how do you take that business savvy and turn that into your marketing strategy yeah so i think um 
we're, we're trying to bring in a lot of sponsors from outside of the industry. The tough thing with, and I didn't really, I knew this wasn't going to happen, but I think a lot of people think, well, you get into pro motocross, you buy a rig, you get some really fast riders, and then people are just going to start like throwing cash mm-hmm. at you. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not happen no. because I've not been given <laughs> one dollar of cash yet. Yeah. I mean, we did get some cash on the amateur side, you know, some some different people, but nothing like what it takes to run a pro yeah. supercross mm-hmm. and motocross team. So th- there is there is some opportunity within the industry to get paid by people. I mean, not money making, but to help help offset expenses. But I think for me, a really good way to do it is bring in sponsors from outside the industry, yep. which means people who love motocross and supercross that own businesses that aren't, you know, gear guys and making motorcycles. And so I, I, I think we may have one or two that are we're talking to that could be pretty substantial coming into supercross. And that that's a big thing for us because yeah, we can we can still run a team. I mean, with our business, we can run a supercross and a motocross team. But are we going to be able to be as competitive as some of those other guys without it? Probably not because people don't realize like all the intricacies of building a competitive race mm-hmm. bike. Mm-hmm. Like Star Yamaha and Pro Circuit and all those guys, I mean, they have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in their engine development. Like yeah. we don't we don't have we've never developed an engine. So no. we have to rely on guys that know how to build it and to do that you have to spend, you know, twelve thousand, fifteen thousand dollars on all kinds of really trick parts from overseas that you can't yep. even buy here. And then you have to buy them way in advance to be prepared for supercross and you know that that's something that we want to have a bike that like a Caden Braswell can jump on in the 250 class being as big of a kid he is and not feel like he's just getting pulled all over the track yeah um so that's where like that outside sponsor money comes in because you know somebody comes in and they're like hey here's two hundred fifty thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars well now i can go buy those you know cranks from europe and the cams from europe and the titanium connecting yeah. rods and all that stuff that's going to mm-hmm. give us that edge to really make a super fast bike it's hard for you to build an eighty thousand dollar bike yeah. you know the 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 factory bikes are not cheap bikes i mean no. people people go to a dealership and they're like it's twelve thousand dollar bike yeah the the bike yeah. stock is twelve thousand dollars but all said and done you're talking 60 grand yeah. you know minimum for a factory bike well the three of us can sit at this table and we all go, you two are Kawasaki guys, and maybe you can transfer me over to that at some point. But I'm a Yamaha guy. <laughs> and we buy our bikes, and then we put our handlebars on, mm-hmm. and then we get the suspension done. But then we're good. Yeah. We're good. We might do some bling stuff because it looks cool. But for you, you buy a bike, and then you take that bike and it, you disassemble it. Yeah. So that there's a frame, and then you start adding on those pieces. So basically, you're just buying the bike so you can take it apart. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we try to get them in crates if we can. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, that's the best way to do but it. But as you build that forward, that's uh, one of the things I wanted to kind of backtrack on because I want to continue on the sponsorship thing is those bikes that do you feel that you can get more value from that 250 side because they say it's so expensive. Do you feel like mm, maybe we better off just to be a 450 team? Yeah, so – you're all right. Like 450s are a lot mm-hmm. easier to make competitive. Um, you know, I, 
like the star team, you know, I've, there's a lot of rumors that fly around. You know, hear rumors that they paid, I won't, won't say who the engine make builder is, but paid them hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop that engine. Yep. That's what I've heard. Well, I don't have, we don't have that, and we don't have the time to do it. So, yeah, 450 is a way to do it. I mean, you look at Ty Masterpool, what he did in the 450 class yeah. on a – it was a really a stock engine. Yeah. Now, he does have a pro circuit engine right now that he's running. It's not pro circuit like Monster Energy Kawasaki. I mean, he yeah. does not have a factory No, it's not factory, like, no. but yeah. – Like, this is a – like, like pro circuits parts you can buy. You or yeah. I can buy off their website. I'm glad you're differentiating that because yeah. people people heard that. They're like, he's, yeah. well, he's got a pro circuit engine now. No, it's not it's the not, same bike. Not it the is same not bike. the same bike. It's there's ported, polished. They Maybe there's some parts that we go online and we buy those and then put them on. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't – there's stuff in those factory bikes that you and I cannot buy. Like, I can't buy – the fifteen thousand dollar titanium crank that's in no. the Honda bikes, yeah. supposedly, and probably in the other ones. So, yeah, I mean, the four fifty would be the way to go if we could. The issue you've got is like riders like you know Cole Bradford. They they can't ride four fifty Supercross because Cole has not made a main event Correct. yet. Okay. So like outdoors, you can jump right into the four fifty class. Yep. You're good. Um, indoors, you know, doing Supercross, you have to start out in two fifty class and make a main event. So. Cole couldn't do it anyway. He'd have to be in the 250 class. Caden, we kind of toyed around with that a little bit, but I don't think he's quite ready for that, even though he's a bigger guy. Um, you know, handling a 450 in on a Supercross track is a is an animal, mm-hmm. even yeah. for a guy his size. So I think he wants to do 250 again this year. I mean, Hardy, he'd launch himself. I would say Hardy will just full send it no matter yeah, what it is. He we, don't care. we actually talked about that. We, we actually talked about that. <laughs> Off, off record about Hardy, and I'm like, maybe? And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, Hardy's he's an awesome rider, and we actually we tested a 450 with him, and he liked it initially, but he's such a light guy. I mean, he mm-hmm. weighs probably 140 pounds and a smaller rider, so that's a lot to manhandle um, around a track, uh, even for a guy my size, and I'm, yeah. I'm 165. So, you know, we, I think we're going to, for now, stick with 250s, other than, like, the plan – would be going into Supercross Ty Masterpool on a 450. That he he rides that bike better than a yeah. 250. Mm-hmm. He doesn't feel like he's having to wring its neck the whole way around, and that makes him smoother around the track. But the other guys, uh, you know, we're just going to have to stick with 450 and or 250, and then bite the bullet and build some nasty race engines. And so I, I had a conversation uh, just today with uh, with JMX uh, Williams Performance over on the coast, and mm-hmm. we're working on some development of a supercross engine and awesome. bringing in a tuner that that's all he does is tune bikes get it where we need to be and then hopefully have something really really awesome rolling into next year and, and matt won't say it and i won't say it either but the company that may have built those engines also used to build engines for ford back in their formula one days just we'll leave it at that <laughs> yeah yep that's exactly <laughs> right yeah they, they know how so, to build them so, so do some do some research and Find yeah. that company name and you'll you'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I'm, I, there's no controversy there. That's just that is one of the premier engine builders. It'd be like having an Ilmore engine. If you could go yeah. to Penske and say, "Hey, Roger, can you build us an engine?" Yeah, they ha- they have a company that that's what they do. Yep. Every yep. Chevy racing engine that comes from IndyCar is actually an Ilmore engine built in England. Yeah. Well, this particular <laughs> engine 
builder. I almost bought one for my Subaru. I used to be like a tuner car guy, and they they sell twenty five thousand dollar engines you can buy yeah. for your yep. Subarus yep. too. So so yeah, we won't mention the name, but but it, you can do the research and you can find that you too could also. When my dad raced cars, they used to buy Penske heads yeah. from England, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget they were in the garage in the race shop putting. The engine together my my grandfather had the track record at talladega and mgb that would do 175 miles per hour wow on the on the banking they put the new head on drove to texas he went out and blew the engine on the first lap wow thank you for buying my part and you can buy another one now oh yep. my gosh so it's exactly what you guys are going through um with that but uh next next part of this journey well Back to the sponsorship thing, because I know, I know what it's like as a, a, an amateur dad trying to pull in sponsorship. It is brutal, like, and trying to offset the expenses that are brutal. You know, it's it's brutal. Period. No matter how you how you go about it, how do you approach sponsorship, like from an amateur and a pro standpoint? Like, is there is there a special approach that you use to to pull sponsorship in, or you just yeah. kind of reach out and hope for the best? Because it's got to be different, right? Yeah, well, it's kind of the same. Uh, just on the pro side, you know, like you have, you're out there a little more, right? So there's TV coverage. You don't have that on the amateur side. Mm-hmm. But, well, it is different. Let's back up. So on the amateur side, how I got sponsorship was really I just threw out a Facebook page post and was like, hey, we're starting an amateur team. Do you want to have your name on the bike? And okay. a lot of local businesses would, mm-hmm. you know, gave us a thousand bucks here, $500 there. A couple of people. Uh, gave us five thousand dollars um premium outdoor products was one of them that gave us a good chunk of money and uh, a client of mine dara mcanthony who owns a football club in england gave us some money so those guys did you know give us some cash on the amateur side which is helpful um but on the pro side like you're trying to get bigger numbers right Mm because you're not talking about a hundred thousand dollars to do the whole thing you're talking about a million dollars yeah so I would go, I mean, I used to, I went on the internet and just started searching, like, um, sponsors that do, deal with motorsports, and, like, I'd reach out to them, send them an email. I would try to, like, figure out what email to send it to, and I'd, like, if it was Mission Foods, I know they do a lot of yep. motorsport stuff, so, like, you can't find an email address, so I would just, like, send an email out to marketing at Mission Foods and sales at Mission Foods. you never get a response. Yeah, I wouldn't ever get a response. Sometimes I did, which was surprising. Like, I sent a few out, and I didn't ever expect to hear back. Um, like, I sent an email to uh, Liquid Death. I don't know if you've the, mm-hmm. you know, the water company. Yep. And the guy answered me right back, and he's like, hey, you know, appreciate you reaching out, but we're not really we're not really doing any kind of sponsorship for anybody. Um, yep. And that's just, like, the way that's our the way we're doing our marketing. But um, then, really, what I found in the industry on the pro side is that like the email can sometimes work, but it's more like face-to-face mm-hmm. talking with people. Um, you're not going to get somebody to write you a check for a half million dollars on an email normally. And a couple guys were people that just walked up to our pits actually uh, at Ironman and said, hey, you know, I love what you guys are doing. And, of course, Ty Masterpool is the one that everybody kind of sees out yeah. there uh, killing it right now. And... You know, we have some other, like, really, really good riders, but, you know, Ty's the one that's the the standout. So um, they really like him, like what he's doing, and so we have some conversations coming up pretty soon. I and mean, that's that's how we're, we're trying to pull him in. Okay, I'm, I, I don't want to get 
struck down or blasphemous. But I want to talk about the non-endemic, but I also want to talk about on the, you do have this ministry side. Yeah. Is that not a draw for some of these companies that are out there? Is that something that you hate to use that like as, a, as a draw, yeah. but yeah. that is a draw, isn't it? I think it is for some people, and I think some people it would push them away. So, okay. like, there are some manufacturers out there that do not want a writer who is, like, open, really open about their faith. I'll just say that. Okay. There's some non-factory teams that have straight up told writers, like, we don't want you to say that on the podium. Really? Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a balance there. There's some, some folks, like... Two of the guys that I talked to at Iron Man, I mean, the faith part of it was a big draw for them. But then you've got other like manufacturers that are like, you know, we don't we don't like that. We don't we yeah. don't want that out there because we want to keep things more secular. We don't mm-hmm. want to try to alienate anyone. And I, I get that. I understand like where they're coming from. But I also think that you know if people realize like we're not we're not saying what you're doing is bad like we're not pushing anything on you we're just we're just trying to tell people hey this is what we believe this is why we're doing this and Mm -hmm. you know we love you guys and we want to show that so i think it can be a draw and i think it can push people away depending on who it is makes sense i i I appreciate that explanation because i was thinking like there's kind of you hate to say it but there's kind of like a built-in thing but it may not be a positive yeah on the non-endemic side with those sponsors what is your value proposition how do you great i love i love racing it's awesome i want to go I, yeah i want to go watch but what am i getting for it yeah so you get you have a combination there you've got people who they don't really care about getting anything back and they just want to they love the sport and just want to you know sit in the pits and shoot the bull with the riders and you know get their credential which is cool we'd love to take their money <laughs> um <laughs> we'll take anybody's money <laughs> but we all there's also those people that are like one of the guys that we met with he's he's a, a food guy he he sells food uh, i'll just say that they manufacture food and so he's like man i can see our product being really really good at the races because like our the people who we're trying to go after our demographic are like college age guys mm-hmm. and girls and so this food is something that i think like if it's on the side of your truck then we can I, we can make some money off this and we're going to get a return on our investment. So for that guy, if we work something out, I mean, we'll put our riders in a freaking taco suit, taco suit or hey. whatever, whatever we got to do. I was thinking, I thought he said college age kids. I was thinking they're going after the ramen noodle sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. hey, we'll, we'll take that too. <laughs> well, I don't, I, I, I've done some thoughts through your sponsorship stuff and I, I feel like, one of their warehouses is in Orlando, so I maybe I kind of have an idea of potentially. Yeah, and, and they would go well with Mission Foods. Yeah, yeah, very well could. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but no, we don't. Not not to dig into that we're, anymore. We're not digging into yeah. that. But I'm just you know we start. That's what we do is we kind of like play this game of because we think about it on our side of like, dude, how can I bring about as a 51 year old man going to do the Enduros next year? How can I bring value if I tell a story? We're in real estate. Can I go to the real estate companies and tell a story about what's going on in those towns? And yep. that's kind of what I'm wondering, because you are a business person. That's what you do. You you run a successful business. How do you bring those tools to this industry? Yeah. And it's, it's important to be able to bring value back to people, I think. Yeah. Like when somebody comes to me and they want us to sponsor an event, like with our company, 
I mean, sometimes it's just because we want to give back, you know, like that's, that's to help build yeah. a business relationship. And other times I'm thinking in my head, well, if I spend $25,000 to do, like we're going to Portugal, my brother, well, I'm not, my brother is going to Portugal um, in a couple of weeks for an event that uh, we have a, a, a money exchange company that we mm-hmm. are kind of partner with. And mm-hmm. so they're doing an event over there and like, okay, that five or $10,000 we're spending, like what kind of return are we going to get on that? So I think the outside sponsors, especially, well, the industry guys too, but the ones coming in from outside, like this food manufacturer we're talking about, you know, he's thinking in his head, well, you know, if I spend a hundred thousand or two fifty or 500, like, am I going to get a return on it? Mm-hmm. And I think there's that balance there. So I think bringing in, because I'm a CPA and bringing in the business side, I think I have a lot more, I think I can explain it to people a little better than the guy that is in the industry that, you know, used to ride dirt bikes and probably doesn't have any background in business. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that's what's going to kind of yeah. set us above uh, a lot of the other guys that are going out there and trying to get the same business. Because we, we want to see the success. I, I'm, like I said, I'm a huge fan and we have Mario Goslin Raislin, which they run the Xfinity series and they're literally five minutes i can hear when i go to circle k i can hear them running the cars yeah on the on the what they call that the tie down rack or whatever they're getting ready to go and i can hear them and it's like now we have a motocross team supercross team that's based right here and it i want us to, to succeed and so does derek and it's like okay how are they doing it and what can we learn from it as we're kind of going through this journey of building this out and his kid racing and me still being involved and it's like okay what are they doing what lessons can we learn and and we're just kind of looking from afar i guess is what way we look at it but we cheer and it's like oh i remember the first time i saw the hbi logo when they were scrolling across the line i'm like that's so i took a picture and sent it to him i'm like there it is like there it is (laughs) that's that's what i love about it like I think I met you what, probably about two years ago now, Some, yep. somewhere in there. I mean, I don't even remember how we first met. That's you. We met through Mark Jones. That's right. Yeah. So Mark Jones is a British guy. Correct. And he, they came. My wife was having a yard sale or something yeah. like that, and yeah, then we, did, we just started talking, and then <laughs> you know the rest is history. You know, we're sitting right here. Wait, um, you're normal. You, you're a yard sale people. You're normal. I'm not a yard sale. Person. Oh no. This guy, Mark oh, Jones. Guy. Guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'd rather. Oh chew my arm off than go to yard sales or sell things like i told my wife we're never doing a yard sale <laughs> we're just i'm gonna burn it in the backyard before i do that my, wa- my wife is away. like yeah. my wife and my mom together you put them two together on a weekend it's like would you stop spending money on the <laughs> people's junk i mean enough but anyway we, we we got to talk and i met met you through him um and you guys are like just getting into it at that point so yeah you know i've kind of been there from from start to to now so it's like a like this is my passion project but it's almost like that is too like i get to follow your passion project and it's it's really exciting for me because you're right here you know yeah i hope we can bring some of the kind of the insider stuff to people too because you know that's something like people i look through forums and like people will say well i think this is going on and i'll be like well i'm running a pro team that isn't right like here's here's how it works and i've even told people on some of the you know some of the pages and forums hey if you have questions about like how this whole thing works I mean, ask away. I mean, I'll try to answer yeah. it as best as I can. If and that's why we have to. you here, because nobody gets to hear the ins- – like like we talked, I think it was last week, our sport's very secretive. Yeah. But, you know, there's a select few of us that are willing to actually talk about the sport because talking about it grows the sport. Absolutely. It's the secrecy yeah. that is killing the sport. I think so, too. So it's nice to be able to sit and actually talk about it. It's like 
I don't want to sit and grind about HBI racing. Like you're here to, yeah, we're going to talk about HBI racing, but you're in it, yeah. and it's the the outside, per, the inside perspective that nobody really gets to hear. So that's kind of you know that's what we strive to do is open the sport back up. Yeah, absolutely, and that brings in more fans, and yeah. it makes it it like it's like you were saying, it kind of brings a perspective to each of the riders and how the teams operate yep. and. Yeah, it's really cool to be able to do that. Yeah, and we got some stuff coming up in 2024 that we, we haven't announced yet. I know you know um, that I'm going to try to really push that subject and and open it up, you know, yeah. and let people see what it's like, you know, yeah. a, a day in the life of Supercross. I only have three questions because I want to get you out of here, but two of them are going to be quick. But one, you talked on one of the interviews about wanting to go to a semi versus what you have now yeah and i'm just curious because i tell derek all the time i'm like man there's got to be a better way to do this is the semi just the most efficient way to move it around or is it just spa- what's because you have a cool setup yeah what makes you want to go that route so the reason why we like started out with the toter home setup that we have mm-hmm. right now like the my original idea which didn't last very long <laughs> was that we were going to send like the three mechanics in the toter home around the country, just drive the thing, and then we'd fly the riders in and out. Mm-hmm. What what I didn't realize is that these riders expect to actually have a mechanic when they're practicing. Mm. So, my bad. Um, and these guys <laughs> do not know how to work on their own bikes. No, they they're um, they're made to ride the bikes. Yeah, yeah they. Some of them have tried, and it was very expensive when they tried to <laughs> work on their own bikes. So I'm just going to leave it at that. We won't um, say numbers or names. Yeah, we'll leave that out. But, um, yeah, so, and I think having three guys in a toter home for weeks on end, they were ready to kill each other. So that ended really quick. Like, that was going to be, like, the money-saving thing. Like, we'd say, oh, we don't have to pay for hotels. They'll just, you know, stay yeah. there. And um, it worked for a little bit, and it was a good way to start. But... I like the setup we have actually I think it works kind of good but the semi thing the reasoning behind that is is that some of these bigger sponsors like especially in the industry and and even the manufacturers like if we wanted to be a satellite team for, for Kawasaki for instance mm-hmm. they're gonna want a semi with a full awning set up for us to be able to do that okay. so I know I remember hearing like the Rocky Mountain ATV team I think before all that big thing yeah. crashed and burned. That was something that I believe KTM was requiring of them was to buy a full semi, full awning because they want to have that particular pit presence. And so going to the semi, it kind of gets you, it gives you more of a presence in the pits. Um, right now, like when we're looking at the super motocross races, you know, like when you look at the parking order, we're not even on it. Like there, it's you have Honda and Yamaha and all these other guys, and then it's like, oh, if you're not on this list, well, just park after 11 a.m. So all these guys are getting kind of the premium spot for the fans to come in. Wait, mm-hmm. your rider's like in top 10. Yeah, the, but see, that's the thing Doesn't that matter. a lot of people don't realize is the it's like part of it's the rider how fast they are, and then the other part of it's the pit presence. Uh-huh. So okay. they're not going to park us probably right beside HRC. They're going to park, like, Firepower Honda and HRC beside each other because Firepower Honda and, and Phoenix is another one. Mm-hmm. They're racing SMX. They'll all be together, you know, Star and Monster Energy Yamaha and probably, like, Rock River and Club MX. They're all kind of Yamaha. Yep. They'll be parked together. 
Like we don't currently have an affiliation with a factory team. So we, we, we get to be out like with the other guys that don't have an affiliation. So if we had a semi, we would be parked closer to those other guys and have higher of a pit presence, which then makes the folks who are wanting to sponsor, oh, well, you're right across from Progressive and Ken Roxon's there and they're going to see you right when they get, get an autograph from Ken Roxon. So yeah. okay. that, that's the reasoning behind the semi is really the pit presence. I don't think it's necessarily more efficient or better. It's just, just the it, next building block. It's the next building block, yeah. Okay. And my other question was, and I forgot the third, so it's not important. <laughs> um, you are a massively busy person. You run a company. You're also, is it a pastor or preacher? Which Oh, either one. Okay. Yeah, take um, pick. He's, he's a pastor. I had the opportunity to listen to you um, preach on Sunday, and it was cool because I learned something about your family. Speaking of that, he does host a Bible study Monday nights. Yes. We usually record on Monday nights, yeah, yeah. so I miss it every week. But I've been a cu- been to a couple of them. Um, find us for the link. Get you for the link. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a it's a really really cool experience as well. You got a lot of pro riders in there that yeah. Everybody just comes together and it's a uh, yeah. Cadence usually on there yeah. and Colin Park and we yeah. have a few other guys show up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So you have the you have the team, two teams, business. You're a pastor. You have a missionary that you work with with your wife. Yep. You you sing, which I don't know me. Yes, Matt Bell sings. So I have to ask, do you dance? I do not dance. You do not dance. So Bap- there is Baptist something don't you dance. don't do. Well, and I'm yeah, I'm white too, so I don't dance. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to guess if some if some uh dancing sponsorship come along, Matt Bell dances. Yeah. I, I, I'll do whatever. <laughs> so so how as a business person, and both of us operate smaller businesses, the balance, there's no such thing as balance. How do you, how do you maintain the healthy marital relationship that you have and do all the things you do? Yeah, that's, that is the toughest thing, I think, out of everything we do. So the, how we maintain the balance is, I would say, A, um, my wife is very good. Darla is awesome about reeling me back in when I'm, like, past that point and Mm -hmm. I can I'm getting better at finding out like when I'm getting to the breaking point and so you have to make time for each other that's the first thing like we were we were planning on going to all three uh SMX rounds and like I started looking at Chicago and I'm like I told her today I'm like we can't go to Chicago like we we have got to like I've got to do some taxes number one yeah um Mm -hmm. so that's the first thing but we need to take a break and just like chill out for a week in between those races so she is really good at keeping me grounded. And then I think all the people around, like the employees of our business, we have a great guy who's a managing director who is calling me a minute ago and <laughs> probably wanting something. Um, Jeff Hammond is awesome. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, Jeff. Um, he, he's not on Facebook, so he won't hear okay. this. But And then guys that are with the team, so like Chris Alley, he's a friend of mine who was with FCA Motocross and came on board to be the chaplain and kind of he acts as team manager when i'm not there he doesn't get paid anything right now we other than like we pay his expenses but we hope to pay him one day to mm-hmm. do that so having those people around that's the only way we can do it i mean everybody has to have their job and i think that's how we're able to balance those things because i asked that because sunday you preached and then you and i were talking after the service and you're like yeah i've got to go to sandbox and deliver some parts i'm like time out hold on wait 
you don't have like the you don't have someone that can just go do that for you yeah. so like you're doing this you're literally doing this grind while running a business that's successful enough to operate a professional team i yep. commend that but i'm also my wife runs our business and i look at her and i'm i'm like she's going to tell me to stop at some point yeah it's well we want to build up to where i'm not running parts to sandbox on a sunday afternoon so like that's one thing that we talked about um caden's dad david braswell has been really good about kind of giving advice on like where the next steps of where we need to be so like one thing we're looking at is at some point like i'm the team owner we have a team manager that's kind of full-time and then we also have a crew chief so like the crew chief is the guy who you know directs the mechanics when they're at Mm -hmm. the race He's the guy that's making sure, like, we have all the parts on the truck. You know, you don't you don't see that when you're at the race, but like, you, when when you're at a race and you realize, oh, we didn't realize that we only have five gallons of fuel left and we're two thousand miles away from home base, <laughs> yeah. or we didn't stock enough clutch plates. Like, there's so many things that you have to have to have to be paying attention to, and there has to be someone who's in charge of that. So that's where we're trying to get to. Besides the semi is having people that are that besides me that are taking care of those things so i'm not running a thousand different miles an hour because right now i'm the parts guy um like i'm uh getting the travel like i booked hotels and rental cars um you know i'm making sure that we have food at the track chris does some of that but i'm doing a little bit of everything and when you do that you start making mistakes so we're working on trying to get designated people to do that especially yeah. going into supercross I, I remember my last question so what you have done is truly amazing cool you're giving opportunities what the sport needs you're striving to bring in those non-endemic sponsors which is something that we're both interested in that aspect of it um and we talked a little bit about the five-year plan what's your goal do you want that do you would you except a hey we're the kawasaki satellite team because they don't have one yeah uh we love that yeah i don't know if kawasaki wants that or not i mean that's something that they have to decide you know the the thing that's tricky about some of these factory teams is that they would rather invest their money into like adding on an extra rider Mm -hmm. for pro circuit or monster energy as opposed to giving us money um and I don't know, Kawasaki may be willing to do that. I mean, we're, we're always, that, that's where we want to get to. We mm-hmm. would love to be a satellite team and get, get more parts help from, from Kawasaki, um, for instance. But I, I think for me, like looking at it from a business standpoint, if I was trying to sell that to Kawasaki, I'd say, well, yeah, I mean, you could take your $250,000 and buy one more rider, or you could give it to us and you're going to get a team of four riders and you're actually getting more money, more bang for your buck because yeah. I'm putting in, like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to your two hundred and fifty, mm-hmm. and you're getting a Kawasaki team with a guy who's top ten every week, and a Caden Braswell who I think is a top ten guy in two fifty, and mm-hmm. a Hardy Munoz who's a guy that I think is a potential top ten guy in two fifty class. So well, he's proven that. Yeah, I mean he's gotten there. So yeah. I, I mean that would be my sales pitch to those guys, but you know I'm I'm not yeah. I don't run the business so. <laughs> See, we'll see what they come up with. So I'm, I'm done. I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit. So you can finish up. No, I, th- I think it's fantastic. And I, like I said, I was gonna bring up Cole Bradford earlier. He, um, I want to give you a hats off to him because he, the OG HBI guy. Yeah. Um, he actually trained Bowen, our son, here a couple weeks ago. Oh, awesome. Just up at yeah. the, up at the C's house. Sweet. And um, the kid's phenomenal with kids. 
He absolutely is. phenomenal. Like I, I have not had the pleasure to meet Cole before that. Uh, we worked with a lot of other riders, but yeah. um, they said that Cole was coming, and we decided to go up there. And he is, he is a phenomenal kid. Um, so I just want to give you hats off to that. Like he's, yeah, if he would stick to that training stuff too, like yeah, he he would go really far in that. He's he he's got this way of he he is a kid, but he's got this way of connecting with the kids as well that they just listen to him. It's, he's a good sign spinner too. He is a good sign spinner. <laughs> he's a hilarious guy. Like he, he he's. Yeah, he is, like, I sent, I told him, like, he's obviously injured right now, and I said, hey, do you, know, do you want to go to an SMX race? And he was like, well, yeah, and he was talking about going to Anaheim, and then he was like, well, I'll just go to Charlotte. So I said, well, send me your picture, and I'll get you a credential, because we have some extra ones. And he sends me this, like, I don't know what, it's something <laughs> off a Snapchat filter or something, and I'm like, I'm like, here, he's like, use this one. And he's like, or you can use this real one. This got a beauty filter on it. And I'm like, well, I'll let, I'll, I'll let you figure out which one I'm going to use for your credential. But he is, he is hilarious really. And he is a great trainer. So like if anybody needs training for their kids while he's injured, yeah. um, hit him up on, he's on Instagram mainly under Cole Bradford, but he is a great guy. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to him getting back on the Supercross track. Cause I mean, he, he is very appreciative and, and he wants it you know like he wants to yeah. get there and i think he's gonna make some waves in supercross this year i agree he's like yeah. i said he's a really good kid and i would i was really happy that we had the opportunity to to work with him so um i have so many other questions but i want to i want to respect your time so i want to get you out of here but i would love to maybe once you kind of get season going for next year and you know yeah. your plans and i'd love to sit back down to talk about that preparation what you've learned this year you're going to use for next year and kind of hey this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it and because i've i've got i mean i just i could sit for hours i love talking with race people about their business and but i also know you probably need to sleep yeah every once in a while every once in a while it's good to try to get to sleep yeah but i'd love to get back on here and give some insight to that i mean we've made a lot of mistakes and a lot of them that aren't really visible to people that Mm -hmm. i sweat over um it'd be good to get into some of that and talk about the the things that we realized we could have done better during the year and hopefully won't do the same yeah. thing going there. And those relationships you've built. You, you've yeah. built some really cool relationships. You mentioned in one of the podcasts about the FXR relationship. I had no idea because I was actually thinking before that, I was like, dude, this canvas thing would be kind of cool to like build that out. Yeah. I was like, but then you talked about that relationship of calling Andy and saying like, this is what we're doing. And they were Johnny on the spot. And so I appreciate that. As much as it would be cool to kind of build your own yeah. stuff, you have this relationship built in. And yeah, and are, FXR is awesome. Like, I can't, not the, I mean, I'll plug them because they've done a lot for us. But not only us, like the i4MX series, like we we uh, we give out gear kits, or they do, mm-hmm. um, to, to the winners of each class. And so FXR has given us huge discounts to buy gear for all those guys. Which, awesome. is, which is awesome and andy's been a huge part of that and I i've mean, actually been looking into switching our gear sponsor to fxr just because yeah. of their the personalities of them you know yeah. it's it's all about relationships and being love, personable to me they love privateer guys and like i met the owner in a hotel in houston i walked into a hotel real quick story at like eleven thirty at night we missed our flight i come into this hotel in houston uh with a I think it was an FXR like plaid jacket on something you'd see up north, mm-hmm. and these two guys are in the lobby. I'd never met Andy White before. I mean, I think I'd seen him on Facebook, but he's 
these two guys are in the lobby and I'm like, hey, hey, I said, hey, nice jackets, guys. They had some FXR jackets on. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're, you must be from up north. You got the plaid jacket on. I'm like, no, it's, I'm from Florida. And I was like, yeah, we have an amateur team and, you know, FXR sponsors us a little bit. And one guy was like, well, who's, who's your rep? And I'm like, it's Andy White. And he's like, yeah, that's me. And so I'm, so, I'm, so I'm talking to him, and I'm like, oh, it's good to meet you. And he's like, yeah, this is Milt. He's the owner of FXR, and got to talk with him, and, and a super nice guy. He raced at Loretta's this past year. Um, he awesome. raced still races, and he's obviously fast if he's making Loretta's. But yeah. they're, they're a great company, and the gear is, is awesome, too. It's like wearing pajamas. The pants are like wearing pajamas. So are you, you going to maybe get into the snowcross scene and do a – No, <laughs> absolutely not. No. No, I'm going to stay out of that. I'm going to stick with the dirt stuff. That was my last question. You have the racing. You have business. You have a wonderful relationship with your wife. What do you do that – what do you do for fun? Um, this stuff. Like, yeah. I love I love running, like, building stuff, like okay. building teams, building businesses. That's what I enjoy doing. Um, I mean, I like, like, hunting and hiking. I do a lot of that, too, in my free time. My wife and I love doing that. We do that for fun, but – yeah, what's the longest hike you've been on? We did a five-day, 50-mile hike. Why? Uh, oh, up, in, up in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, almost kill, almost killed me. Like, I uh, can imagine. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Like, I have a buddy that hikes, and he wants to do the one in Yellowstone where it's 31 miles out to the station. Yeah. The most desolate place that's manned in the U.S. It's 31 miles from the highway to the ranger station. That's crazy. Yeah, and he's like, it'll be a three-day hike for me. And I'm like, I'll I'll go I'll go with you if you want to go like it's awesome it's fun to hike and it's like when you think you're gonna get eaten by a bear I mean that's exhilarating right sure that's peaceful sure sure <laughs> absolutely peaceful. I mean I'm from Pennsylvania so we're that's normal but yep. it's it is being out in nature is so peaceful I mean yeah. don't I I personally can't sit and not think about anything but yeah it gets you away from everything but Heck um yeah, yeah I, we we really appreciate you being here yeah. um is there anything you want to add. I think that's it. I appreciate all the questions. It was really good. I uh, anything y'all having me? Just anything uh, that you want to break today? Any, any big news you want to break today? Any news that I want to break? <laughs> I mean, we love. We would love to have. I mean, we've got you on video, so like, we would love to. Like, man, I don't. There is nothing yet. I mean, we have things in the background. I can't announce yet, so we'll Same see. Here. Like, it, yeah. and it, and it comes down to to be honest with you, if we get some of these larger sponsors in that's that's where we're going to be able to change things a little bit that's i mean cool. and i we have another rider we're kind of looking at we'd like to bring mm-hmm. on but yeah, it's going to take some outside sponsorship to do that so i'm going to hold off on that yeah. uh, making hey. any announcements but i thought i'd try. I, hey, try. Right. <laughs> I try I had to try i had to try i mean i got to be a media guy right like, i gotta right. try yeah but uh no we want to thank you and um uh, before we leave let's mention because i think it's important the outside stuff what's the shoebox ministry that you guys do yeah, I would like to. I would like to hear more about that because that is something that. Hey, I run this team, but oh by the way, we do this really cool thing for kids. Yeah, so my wife Darla has been involved in that. It's Operation Christmas Child. It's a mm-hmm. kind of a side ministry of Samaritan's Purse. So they they go do like when you had the hurricane hit, um, they send trucks and like planes to basically bring in uh, relief to those places, water, food, you know, everything those people need, but. Uh, Operation Christmas Child's like an extension of that. So they pack, I'm going to get the number wrong, but I think last year it was 14 million shoeboxes that they delivered with toys to kids in other countries. That's so awesome. these are like, 
you know, like Dollar Tree type toys mm-hmm. um, that kids here wouldn't want, but like a kid in another country who's never had a toy, mm-hmm. like that's huge for them. Like they'll they'll take the box and make it into something. Yeah. Um, so she's been involved in that, and and I have as well for probably twenty five years. And where our house is in North Carolina, it's right near Boone. And there's a reason for that because the Operation Christmas Child kind of uh, operation center is right there, and so we want to be a part of that more. Um, we volunteer there every every winter, and the guys on our team they pack shoe boxes at the camp we did, and it's just an awesome ministry um, just to see these kids get excited about getting a toy that they never got, and it just brings some hope into their lives when uh, they may not have had any hope. So yeah. yeah, I want and I wanted to get that out because there's a depth. It's not just owning this team. There's there's something there that it's tangible you're doing good you're growing something you're running a business oh and by the way we're also supplying this hope for other people yeah not just at a racetrack in places that you're never going to meet these people yeah that's exactly right and i mean it's you know that's the whole thing about bringing the faith side of it in is um it's bringing hope to people there's a lot of hopeless people out there oh there sure is so that's what we want to do um and so I, i hope we can change some lives along the way that's what we're that's what we're about it's awesome start congratulations on a successful first season that is really cool um derek if we had those successful of seasons we would be doing pretty well hopefully one day yeah (laughs) we'll we'll get there someday but um no it's a pleasure having you uh look up matt bell facebook instagram hbi racing facebook instagram tiktok uh, hbitax.com um is your business Uh, you guys are everywhere so Uh, yeah, look up Matt Bell. I can't wait to do it again someday. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so yeah, much. Thank you yeah. very much. And for Derek Schaefer uh, with DBS uh, Custom Fabrication and Handyman <laughs> Services. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. I am Trey Heath with Michelle and Trey Real Estate. Thank you, Matt Bell, for joining us. HBI Racing, look for him Saturday afternoon. Yep. Saturday afternoon on Peacock. Charlotte, North Carolina. USA Network. Charlotte, North Carolina. The ZMAX Raceway. The first round of the SMX playoffs. Yes, sir. It's going to be exciting. This, is, this has been episode 26. We will see you all next week. Bye-bye.